Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Bruce Jessen and Jay Mitchell are psychologists whose company received about $81 million from the CIA to develop the CIA's post-9-11 methods to obtain information from prisoners, including waterboarding, waterboarding, starvation, and sleep deprivation. The ACLU sued them on behalf of three men who were allegedly kidnapped, brought to so-called CIA black sites, and tortured using techniques designed by the psychologists. One of the men died in captivity, and the other two contend that they were waterboarded and beaten before they were then released because officials determined that they didn't pose a threat. Now, as the lawsuit proceeds, attorneys for the psychologists want to obtain CIA records to defend their clients, and the judge in the case has given the CIA time to decide whether it wants to try to keep some of its records secret. Here to talk with us about the case is Margaret Chatterthwaite, the faculty director of the Robert L. Bernstein Institute for Human Rights at NYU Law School. Meg, let's start by talking about what this case is. What, what exactly is going on here? What's the lawsuit? Right. So the lawsuit is an incredibly important one um, in the history of the efforts to seek accountability for the torture program or the enhanced interrogation program that was run during the George W. Bush um, presidency. And the reason it's an important case is because it's actually against the what is alleged to be, at least, the architects of the torture program itself, and that's the two defendants you described. It's also important because it's one of the first cases where, until this point, the U.S. government has not intervened or been a party and asserted what's called the state secrets privilege to try to get rid of a lawsuit. So it's, it's really a case that has gotten as far as any other case and, and potentially further depending on what happens um, by this deadline that you mentioned. Jens, will you explain why the CIA or the government is not part of this lawsuit? Well, the uh, – sorry, you said who's part of this lawsuit? No, I, why uh, – just explain why the CIA isn't being sued or the federal government. Well, I mean, because they went directly after the psychologists, which was an interesting, um, which was an interesting strategy uh, to go after Mitchell and Jessen directly, um, since they were the architects of the theory behind the torture. They really are in a unique position in terms of in terms of their liability, and that's really what's generated the odd conflict in this case. Um, up until now, the CIA and the federal government and the psychologists who constructed the torture program were all on the same side. So, for example, when the uh, when the U.S. Senate uh, under the Obama presidency, when Feinstein was running the Senate, decided to conduct a really wide-ranging inquiry into the torture program, uh, they were <clears throat> looking for documents from the from the CIA and the federal government. And in, in and in that situation, the psychologists and the CIA were basically on the same side and wanting to keep all the information secret. Uh, but now a dispute has broken out between the psychologists and the CIA, which are now on opposite sides of the uh, of this dispute, because the psychologists say, hey, we need access to the records um, about the torture program in order to defend ourselves against this uh, against this lawsuit, whereas I'm pretty sure the federal government and the CIA are going to say, we want this stuff kept secret. Well, Meg, in terms of keeping things secret, uh, you know, you mentioned that there's a complicated procedure here for 
figuring out whether these kinds of documents can come to the light of day in court. Can you take us through how a court's going to end up reviewing the documents and making that decision? Sure. So if the U.S. government does assert state secrets, it has to do so using a very specific formal procedure. Um, now, as we've already mentioned, the U.S. government is not a party in this case. So the first thing it will have to do, and it will actually do this at the same time, it will have to make a motion to intervene in the case. And that will allow it to then also make a motion to assert the state secrets privilege. And that assertion both has to be in that formal motion and also has to be supported by two affidavits from the head of the agency that's asserting the privilege. Here it would be the CIA director. Um, and one is a public uh, affidavit in which he sets out the reasons for this assertion. And the other is a secret classified ex parte, so only for the judge's eyes, um, declaration in which he sets out you know, anything that needs to remain classified that the judge needs to take into consideration. Then the judge has to make a determination about whether the privilege is properly invoked, so did they actually follow this proper procedure. Um, and then he has to determine whether um, what would be the effect of the assertion of that privilege. So does it actually deprive the defendants of their defense? Um, if so, is that a valid defense and not just a hypothetical one that they have um, invoked in order to make this assertion? Um, and at that point, let's say the judge decides that it was properly invoked and it does deprive the defendants of a defense, then the judge has to determine what's the effect on the lawsuit as a whole. And that's where I think you get into um, the fact that this case is, is unique and that there are so many documents and so many facts already in the public, um, including statements and even a book uh, by Mitchell himself about the role of these uh, two defendants in the torture program. So, Jens, will that make it more difficult to for the CIA to retain the privilege? Um, I think it will make it more difficult. Um, so much of this is now in the public record that uh, the administration is going to have a hard time uh, convincing the court that all of this should be uh, shielded from, from public view. That being the, the case, I think that there's a huge number of details um, that are not in the public record in terms of um, the specific uh, nature of the interrogations, uh, the injuries, um, the, the exact role that uh, Mitchell and Jessen played. Um, a lot of the details are not in the, in the public record. And uh, I think the government could make a case that this would be really damaging if, if, if some of this um, details were, were released to the public. I, one thing I'd say is that a lot of this information was already collected by the Senate <clears throat> Select Committee on Intelligence that um, investigated all of this. But the only part that was publicly released um, was, a, was a very short executive summary. Actually, it wasn't that short. But the underlying report was never released to the public. I mean, that's volumes and volumes of, uh, of detailed information. And the, the government, uh, in particular, the intelligence community, kind of fought tooth and nail to make sure that that uh, underlying document um, was never released to the, to the public. And, uh, you know, my bet is that the government in this case is going to be uh, equally um, insistent that the, the, you know, that the details not be released to the public. That's Jens David Olin, Associate Dean for Academic Affairs and Professor of Law at Cornell Law School, and our other guest, Margaret Meg Shatterthwaite, the Faculty Director at the Robert L. Bernstein Institute for Human Rights at NYU. Thanks to both of you for being on Bloomberg Law. That's it for this edition of Bloomberg Law. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 p.m. Wall Street time. 
Thanks to our technical director, Mark Siniscalci, and our producer, David Sutcherman. You can always find the latest legal news at BloombergLaw.com and BloombergBNA.com, plus a website for the legal community at BigLawBusiness.com. Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson starts right now on Bloomberg Radio. Hello, Carol. What's coming up? Hello, Michael. You know what's coming up? I'm asking you. <laughs> Fed minutes. We'll get the minutes from the first Fed meeting of 2017. So we're going to break it down, check out market reaction. And then we've got Tesla earnings after the close. So busy day. That's coming right up on Bloomberg Markets here on Bloomberg Radio. Thanks for listening to Bloomberg Law. This is Bloomberg. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.